everybody. Welcome uh, to White Line Fever Live. And um, uh, yeah, this is this came up quite um, uh, spontaneously uh, through, believe it or not, LinkedIn. Um, I just, uh, happened to be involved in the conversation with this uh, guy and uh, turns out that uh, he's living in New Zealand and he's got a new business uh, and he used to be the CEO of the NRL and many other things. Welcome to the program, David Moffat. Uh, Dave from Hornsby, isn't it, mate? That's Dave from Hornsby. <laughs> Dave from Hornsby. <laughs> um, we'll discuss that. We'll discuss that. Uh, there's so much. There's so much yeah. to talk about. I mean, I, I don't know where to begin, but I guess um, we might start with your most recent endeavour and work backwards, and that's something yep. called uh, rugby rules. Um, what is rugby rules? So it's a um, it's a variation of rugby union, um, uh, but it's it's a much simpler game to understand. It's safer to play. I got, I'm very critical of the way rugby's going. Uh, on the other hand, I've got a lot of good things to say about way rugby leagues go. Um, and uh, to get things changed in rugby union is almost impossible, really. I mean, you know, you've World Rugby and, and the national governing bodies are glacial in uh, in what they what they what they should be doing and uh, unlike rugby league. So um, you know, my first love was always rugby, uh, but I'm, I'm like a, so many other people, I'm so disappointed with the direction it's going that I thought, well, I'll try and do something about it. So is it the lack of adaptability? To short form versions. I mean, sevens is massive, right? Um, but, yeah. but 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 you, you don't see sevens as sort of a participant thing, but more a spectator thing. So, is is that the oh, no. area where you're most critical? Uh, no, I think well, sevens is a short form of the game, and it's an Olympic sport now. And there are so many other countries uh, that play it. Um, it is a completely different game, unlike nines in rugby league, which is pretty much still the same, but with fewer players on the field. Um, sevens is a completely different game, but one of the one of the issues is that I mean, if you if you took Kenya for example, which is where I was brought up, and if they they've beaten the New Zealand sevens teams quite frequently, mm. but if you put them up against the All Blacks, it means to be 150 points because of the way in which the game is played at 15s. Mm. And so, you know, what I've tried to set out to do is to, to write a set of rules which simplifies the game for everybody. Coach, player, referee, but most importantly, spectators. I mean, even now, if you've been, if you've grown up with rugby, you're flat out understanding what the hell's going on, <laughs> yeah. and it cannot be good. You know, I mean, I know you're a rugby league reporter. We've crossed swords a few times in the past, <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, and I and I got into trouble for calling uh, Phil Gould got stuck into me for calling rugby league five tackle kick mm -hmm. um, before I got there. Uh, well, I was defending rugby, obviously, but but you know it's a game that's easy to understand and it's uh, and it's easier to referee. Um, and rugby's gone the opposite direction. Yeah, how much resistance have you had from the rugby union authorities, or or have you uh, to what you're proposing? I think they're just trying to ignore us and hope that we'll go away, but we're not going to do that. We yeah. um, see one of the big big issues with rugby is it's become quite a dangerous sport, you know, and they talk about how brutal rugby is. But, 
you know, it's not brutal in the same sense that rugby league is. Rugby league is man on man, right? In rugby now, they have all these players being taken out on the fringes of rucks and malls, injured badly. Uh, Brody Retallick, great, great All Black, knocked out of the game for three months with shoulder injury, um, and um, it was never anywhere near as good uh, in the World Cup. The issue is, it's not so much what's going to happen, what's happening to those players now. It's what, how they're going to be in 20 years' time. Mm-hmm. And as we're seeing in American sport, there's a lot of litigation going on because they didn't deal with things like, like head injuries. I mean, in rugby, it's now got an, an unacceptable number of um, concussions. I think I know they're trying to address it, but, but you know, unless they change the laws, um, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Uh, this first question's led into several others. Um, what, it, what, what are your plans with rugby rules? What are you trying, uh, how, what are you doing to sort of uh, activate it worldwide? What, 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 what does it mean in the real world, uh, what you, your endeavour? Okay, in the, in the real world, um, we've done the easy bit, you know, writing the 10 rules and six regulations has been simple, really, by comparison with the next steps. We've got to get the game being played, and we're working on that at the moment. We've only launched it a week ago, so you know. But so you know, there's. Um, but we're doing that. Um, we, we'll get the game played, and then we'll have some footage of it, uh, and, and people will be able to see how it's played. I mean, you know, it's a game that can be played from people from eight to eighty. And when I say eighty, people say, "What are you talking about?" Well, we got golden oldies, you know, rugby, uh, and and that game is quite difficult for, for older people but this game will be a lot a lot easier for them to play yeah. so uh, you know what we what we need to do Steve now though is to get some some footage of the game being played and we're working on that in places in, in America the UK um, Argentina um, New Zealand and hopefully in Australia right right and as we as you be more aware than anyone else having run governing bodies when you put together new versions of sport, um, there are all sorts of things that you can't avail yourself of, like insurance, government funding, uh, match officials, disciplinary. So you've got to set up all these systems yourself. Um, that's yeah. got to be that's that's you need deep pockets to do those sorts of things, don't you? You know. Yeah, you do, but you also need a whole lot of uh, people that are really interested in in what you're doing. Uh, and we're already seeing that we've got a lot of people that are going to be working as advocates uh, and um, ambassadors and and people that are going to be um, you know just talking about the benefits of this game uh, and yeah you do need um, deep pockets and we're we're about to go down the um, the you know, cash raising raise, raising mm. road of um, uh, crowdfunding mm. uh, so you know we'll we'll see i mean we th- we think it's worth doing so let's give it a a crack do you um do you start by having a big launch game that everyone watches or do you start by um setting up a competition for participants or do you start how, how do you how, what's the big okay game? i think I, I think the way to start this is most likely within the school system within the juniors in the club system mm-hmm. because you can get hold of players there that aren't that haven't actually learned all the wrong things 
mm. as far as we're concerned and and then build it from there i mean ideally we you know we've given ourselves some six month targets 12 month targets two year targets um and uh, we'll see how we how we progress i mean you know, there's most likely a lot, of, a lot of cynicism out there, why we're doing it and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I, I read, you know, I don't know if you've seen this guy who's got this hybrid game of um, league Franks? rugby. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't, I'd heard about it, but I hadn't seen it. I mean, you know, the idea that you can play when you're in one half the field, you, want, you play one game and in the other half the field, you play the other is just bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's never going to get off the ground. Uh, and I don't think that that would be, um, that would be of interest to rugby league fans and I don't think it would be interest to rugby fans. Yeah. However, yeah. having said that, I, I think when people have a look at this game and the way it's played, you could most likely attract some rugby league players to play it because it's not as complicated to play. Okay, so you still have lineouts, but there's no lifting in lineouts or anything like that. You've got to be an athlete. You've got to be able to jump. And, and there are some bigger players now playing rugby league. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's not trying to be a hybrid game or bring the games together because they've got so much tradition and history. Um, and, and besides that, I think rugby league's going really well. I mean, they just suffer from the fact that they find it difficult to get beyond the north of England and the eastern seaboard of um, of Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. You know, that's always been their issue. Yeah, David. Um, we'll move on to you mentioned rugby league. Good segue. How, um, with the with the benefit of of hindsight, um, how do you look back on your time at the NRL? That's a big specific that's a question you could probably just i could just shut up and you could talk for a couple of hours so i'll be more specific <laughs> um uh, also how it ended um you know how how did it really end as opposed to how it ended in a public facing way uh, i guess is a, a way to focus yeah. the question a little bit more um uh yeah. what, are you, what are your recollections very interesting um I, I copped a lot of flack and, uh, uh, you know, certainly about what happened with South and it was quite interesting because I inherited that, but I'm not the sort of person to say, well, that's got nothing to do with me. You know, that was the people before me. I just dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way, the way it panned out in actual fact started getting me thinking and I'll answer, you, you know, that last bit of that question in a minute and you'll see why I started thinking the way I started to think. Um, and and I tried to bring about some change. You know, tried to get um, everybody together uh, to to have a common um, approach to to things, um, and and that didn't work. Um, you know, we did some good broadcasting deals, but they pale into uh, into insignificance. But you know, against the one that they did prior to this woo flu taking over the world um yeah so i was i was only there for two years and there are two things that happened steve three hello david still there david hello Hello, everybody. So uh, we had David uh, Moffat on and he was about to say something really interesting. And as is often the case, 
with uh, technology and doing these sort of uh, uh, video casts. Just when someone's about to say something interesting, um, the uh, line drops out. So we'll see if we can uh, get him Things, back. I guess. Yeah, hello, David. David, hello. David. Hello, mate. Yeah, you dropped yeah, out. So you said two things happened, a couple of things happened, and yeah. you dropped out after that. Can you pick up what you were saying there? Yeah, so I'd say there are three things that happened. Yeah, um, there's still some sort of, I don't know if you're all reading me or whether the poor uh, reception is at my end. But once more, uh, David's frozen. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is obviously very interesting for me from my book point of view because doing a book on the 1997 season and, and the expulsion of South Sydney a couple of years later was one of the things that uh, probably that period is best remembered for. Uh, and I, you know, I spoke to Neil Whitaker for the book. He hasn't done uh, a regular really? interview. Um, Hello, David. The first was that... Yep. Sorry, mate. You, I was just padding because you dropped out, uh, but I'll, I'll be quiet. Yeah. Can you hear me now? I can, and I've turned my camera off in case that uh, makes it a bit better, if that's all right. Yeah, it appears to be much better. So, yeah, you said there were three things that happened. And I'll just shut yes. up now and let you talk. Okay. Right here, mate. The first, um, oh, it says here that your network bandwidth is low. So I don't know. Anyway, we'll keep talking. Yep. Mate, um, the first was the way I, that I found out about News Limited doing a deal with South Sydney. They didn't involve me in that. And I was the chief executive. And in actual fact, David Gallup found out before I did. And I didn't think that was very you know, very good form, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, the next thing was that I, I suppose with that in the back of my mind, I woke up one day and I said, um, if I had my druthers, would I work for News Limited? And the answer to that was no, uh, because um, I found it really quite difficult um, to to understand how come the, the journalists would, would hammer the hell out of the NRL and yet they owned 50% of it. Yeah. You know, this, I'm talking about News Limited journalists. I mean, I understand why. I mean, I understand the personalities. I understood their reasoning behind it. Um, but it most likely made the job a little bit more difficult. I mean, I, you know what I'm like, mate. I, I accept the brickbats and if you want to have a crack at me, go right ahead. But, you know, um, I was a little bit, sort of perturbed by that sort of behaviour. And then at the same time, I was approached by Sport England to go and do the job there. So all those, those three things all came together and I decided that um, that's what I'd prefer to do. Um, you, know, I, you know, this is not a huge criticism of News Limited. You know, they'd been they'd brought in, they were looking at, you know, getting a whole lot of product, but I just think that, you know, it was it was just not the right way to go about dealing with the chief executive. Yeah, yeah, and and the deal with South you're talking about was to basically try to, you know, keep. I guess, I mean, the deal the deal you're referring to. How would you describe what that deal was? Because obviously South ended well, up out of the comp. You know, so 
No, but yeah, but they came back in. Yeah. Um, what I'm talking about was the period of time when, when um, following all of those, um, you know, marches and and all of the negative publicity, um, they they they, you know, I I was out there saying, look, they've made a decision. The decision's been made, and Souths are out of the competition. Mm. Unbeknownst to myself, there was discussions going on about actually doing a complete backflip on that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fine. You know, I mean, they're, they're the owners, mm-hmm. but all they needed to do was was um, keep me informed. Mm. Uh, and um, so, you know, that, I mean, that's that's life. That's what happened. Uh, they're really they're really tough people running News Limited. Um, you know, so I don't hold any grudges against them. I just make decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What your time in rugby league? You know, you, you talked earlier about the inability to spread. Did you, can you identify cultural reasons for that? And like, obviously as an outsider, um, that meant you had to try that much harder to prove yourself. There was all that stuff. I mean, for the viewers and listeners, Dave from Hornsby, Dave used to ring up Breakfast Sports Radio in Sydney and just introduce himself as Dave from, Dave from Hornsby and not say he was the CEO of the NRL. There was a drama about uh, the Tour de France and you went on the footy show with your bike. Um, you know, did how would you sort of sum up the, those sort of cultural quirks of the game in Australia particularly and maybe extrapolate how those things impact on the, the game's progress now and, and since? Look, rugby league is a fascinating and a great sport. And you would know, having covered so much of it for so long, that without the drama, it wouldn't be the same game. You know, the fact that you can wake up every morning, not know what the hell is going to come through the door, whether it's, whether it's Hopawati, <laughs> the issues surrounding that, um, whether, whether it's, I think you were in the, in the uh, press room at, uh, uh, um, I'll blame you, um, <laughs> at Parramatta Stadium when I said I was hoping to go to France, to the Tour de France. Um, uh, at, uh, <laughs> And and with my son, and then, and the next day he, it's all over the paper. How can Moffat go to the Tour de France in the middle of a football season? It was interesting because Malcolm Node was the um, was uh, the chairman, I think, at the time of the NRL. And when he left, and then he went to the Bulldogs, I think he got he did the same thing. He left and went to uh, went on holidays in the middle of the football season. I mean, I, I always had the view that, you know, I, I for, for two weeks, I, you know, I didn't actually need to be there. We had some good people, but in the end, I back, I, you know, I, I didn't go. And I did do an advertisement for the Tour de France for Fox when I, you know, when I was on my bike and there, there was a script, but I didn't, I threw, the, I threw the script out of the window a bit because I said, well, my name is David Moffette. <laughs> I, I, I was going to go to the students, but unfortunately, I was not able to make it. So I had a bit of fun with that. I used to enjoy my time with the media. I had a bit of fun with the, with the guys, and you know, a guy like Rothfield would climb into me, and and um, you know those sorts of things. But yeah, I don't think you, if you didn't take it too seriously, you could survive, survive it. Yeah, 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 and and um, because I'm doing a book, I'm on 1997, and um, as I was I was padding when you dropped out and talking to the whoever's listening or watching, but um, um, 
I just the the South thing is obviously a hangover and a result of a Super League war. I, I just wonder how many, you know, when you arrive there, how much hangover from the Super League war there still was. Obviously, there were criteria that had been imposed, um, which you've already mentioned. Um, was it still a deeply divided, you know, um, game when when you when you took over? Yeah. Yes, it was, um, and and th- there was there wasn't the healing I think that's now taken place. You know, mm-hmm. you still had some very strong personalities, the Gould, the Phil Goulds and and those guys who, um, you know, were were in had had their entrenched positions, um, and and I mean over time it, it's I think it's got a lot better, and, and those days are those days are a part of the history of rugby league. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, a lot of people said about my my background in rugby. I never played rugby league, but I was always a big fan of rugby league. You know, mm-hmm. I said at the time my son was named after Changa, yeah. you know, Graham Lang, for example, mm-hmm. uh, because I thought you know, and there were so many phenomenal players back in that era uh, that I used to love watching. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, I had a I had an understanding of rugby league. And and I used to go out and stand on the hill with the fans and talk to them and trying to get to understand what was going on. But then you you know you had the the problem with the bulldog supporters and I would go and stand on the, the hill with them at that time um, and and talk to them. Uh, but you know ultimately a, a sport like rugby league is much much bigger than one person. Yeah yeah and. Um, you know, it's it, but it, it, you know, it's it's all of the drama that surrounds rugby league that people love. You know, that, that you know, rugby league people need the drama. They need to see this stuff. <laughs> and of course, a lot of it's not very savoury, as we know. You've written about it, but it doesn't seem to matter to the people that follow it, mate. You know, they just what what are the back twelve pages of the telly, a rugby league? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's. It's, um, but one thing that I am very, very proud of, and uh, Shuey was the guy that helped this, was we actually put some teeth into the salary cap when I was there. You know, we, we absolutely said, if we're going to have a salary cap, then we're going to have to police it. Mm. And so that was one of the things that I was quite pleased about. And then it carried on. And, and I think it's still got some teeth today. Well, a couple yeah. of premierships got stripped, didn't they? I've just got two more questions before we uh, go, Dave. We might have a chat afterwards after we finished the, the show one is you, you know your involvement at Sanzar and all that sort of thing so what what impact was a super league war on rugby union turning professional or openly professional like you were around in rugby union during the start of the super league war um, and obviously a lot of rugby union players initially got picked off um, there's some funny stories in the book about about those years um, how 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 profoundly did the Super League War impact on rugby union's sort of trajectory towards open professionalism? It was the single biggest factor wow. in in the Southern Hemisphere. It was huge. Um, and, and I was right in the middle of it. I mean, um, you know, we were very worried that uh, Super League, because they, they basically had two competitions, were going to need players. And where were they going to get them from? I mean, they were going to get them from, from rugby. Mm. So... You know, I, I um, you remember a guy called Ian Frickberg, you know, larger than life character who said he's no longer with us. Um, we, we contacted um, 
News Limited, and they said that the only two people that can pull off a deal for rugby would be Ian Frickberg and Sam Chisholm. Mm. And so I rang Frickberg. He happened to be in Tokyo at the time. And uh, I said, you know, being told to to have a chat to you. I can't remember the name. It was David. David, somebody, another from News Limited. Um, and he uh, said, you you got to speak to Frickberg. So I did. And then very shortly thereafter, there was a meeting set up with um, Sam Chisholm in London. And, uh, you know, Elijah, I mean, a very small man, but geez, you know, <laughs> you know his presence was huge. Um, so I flew to London at the, at the request of the Australian Rugby Union because uh, they were just all on their way to South Africa for the World Cup. And I got back to Australia eight weeks later because I was shuttling in between, um, you know, London and South Africa and back um, while we put this deal together. And there were basically five people that did that on, on our side. And, and, and the main mover was Frickberg. Um, then, then there was the three chairmen. So that was um, uh, Leah Williams from, from Australia, Richie Guy and Louis Late. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and then there was myself. You know, I was doing all the administration stuff. Um, so, you know, we, we managed to get um, the money. But we didn't have the players. And mm. Ross Turnbull, at the time, who had set up World Rugby, or WRC, which I christened World Rugby Circus, <laughs> was, floating around, was floating around the same hotel in, in Johannesburg. And I never spoke to him, but he knew what I was doing and I knew what he was doing. <laughs> um, and, and, of course, and, and that was with uh, David Lord and Kerry Packer. Mm. Uh, and... and um, I don't know if Kerry was ever really serious or whether he was just, you know, the burr under the saddlecloth for Rupert. Yeah, but yeah. At the, but at the end of the day, they ended up with the players but no money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> money was always going to win out. Yeah. And it was interesting, just prior to the World Cup final, we had a, we had a press conference and we, we announced that we'd done this 555 million US dollar deal over 10 years. Uh, and, um, you know, the rest of the people, the, the, the media in that room, you know, it was bang. As soon as the media conference finished, they went and surrounded this guy who I didn't know at the time, but he was, just, he was well, he wasn't the CEO because I think he was, whatever they call him, the secretary of the Rugby Football Union, wanting to know from him what he thought about it all. Ireland came out the next day and said, oh, we'll never be able to play them again because they're going to be professional. And within what three months, the whole game went professional because mm. it was all over. You know, yeah, yeah. it was absolutely all over. Whatever the Northern Hemisphere thought they were going to do about it, if they refused, then I think there was going to be a big split in the game. Mm. And um, you know, I, I uh, yeah, but it was all, it was all, it was. I don't think it was all brought about by by Super League, but it was accelerated by Super League. Yeah, there is no doubt. That it might have taken two or three years longer to get the game to be professional, but it was absolutely accelerated by Super League. And David, the last thing I want to ask you is: is um, you've said a lot of complimentary things about rugby league and some critical things about rugby union, but the fact is that rugby union is at the top table of world sport, uh, for better or worse, and rugby league is not. What has to change in rugby league for it to break out of 
this sort of par- this paradigm, this feedback loop that's been stuck in since 1895? I mean, I know it's a huge question, but you've been on both sides of the fence and uh, at very senior positions on both sides. Have you got any thoughts? Yeah, mate. I, well, I don't understand why rugby league isn't isn't um, isn't able to make any ground around the world. I mean, for a start, you'd think America would be would be there with open arms. I guess what what ha- what's happened is that rugby maintains a foothold in America because of sevens. You know, they're a, they could win the gold medal at the Olympics. The American sevens team. 15 aside is still seen as that college game, you know, where it was all about having a few beers and rugger and all that sort of stuff, which rugby league never had um, that sort of an image. Mm. But, I mean, if you were going to take a game of rugby to America, it would surely have to be rugby league. Mm -hmm. Because why? One, it's easy to understand. When it's televised, it's all about what's happening around the ball. Uh, and and yet it's never been able to take off. They've tried, um, you know, and uh, and I know there's rugby league being played in little pockets around the world, but for some reason, and I and I don't know what. I mean, I've never studied it that closely. I, I just don't, you know. Perhaps it's never had the the um, the sort of reputation of being an international sport. Mm. You know, I mean. Look at Aussie rules. Look how big that is in Australia, and it's only played in Australia. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I mean, and they, but they've even look. I mean, take take the Storm, hugely successful team in Melbourne, but they still haven't they still haven't really cracked it, have they? In Melbourne, they still haven't cracked it as far as the Melburnians are concerned. You know, they'll get fifteen thousand people, and next door there'll be a hundred thousand people watching a club game. Yep. You know, so. And the idea that rugby should be trying to crack that market is absurd. You know, mm. I just don't understand why they're doing it. But there you go. I mean, yeah, so I don't have the answers to that. If I did have, I most likely, you know, could most likely concentrate on doing something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about we turn off the um, turn off the recorders? I'll tell you what the answers are and uh, you can do it full time. Okay. I really appreciate okay. I really appreciate right. your um, your time, David. It's great to hear from you after all. Uh, this time, one of the best things about doing this book is, you know, I was talking to Greg McCallum uh, before I spoke to you, and um, one of the best. I know we're not talking for the book, but just generally speaking, I'm a long way from home in 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 London, and and the book's given me a great opportunity to speak to people I haven't spoken to in a long time, and I'll I'll throw this in with that. So um, thank you very very much yeah. for your time, Dave. And if you stay on the line, we'll we'll have a chat. <laughs> okay, mate. <laughs> so,